Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Take a look at what we're seeing in a variety of trade actions. Here's my conversation with Brad Coima. He's with Coima and Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. Are we seeing an oversight of cattle to oversupply that is of cattle to the south? Add to it the cash market. We continue to limp along with that. Are we seeing customers? They still got the cash. Are they really wanting to buy some of that meat out there? Lots to talk about. So, Brad, I think we do have to start out with JBS. Uh, the cyber attack from a cattle perspective, what did you think this week? Well, well, the first thing I thought is you've got to be kidding me. What next, right? I mean, uh, um, you know, I, I, I say that here, um, you know, sort of facetiously, but not really, that every day you go home from work, there's something that could happen that you have no control of that would create a market to go sharply lower. I, I um, and that was one of them. Now, thankfully, at least this uh, was short-lived uh, and basically affected roughly a day and a half of slaughter. Um, happened over the weekend, so then with a Monday holiday, Tuesday was the first impactful day here. Uh, JBS uh, accounts for about 25,000 cattle per day in there. Well, they have nine different facilities. Uh, um, and it was clear, I mean, on, on Tuesday, a week ago, Tuesday, the slaughter was 120. This Tuesday, it was 95. So it was, I mean, right on the dot, the 25,000 cattle missing, obviously, were from the JBS plants. <clears throat> then on Wednesday, as they started to slowly come back online, after having resolved their problem one way or the other, uh, we saw the slaughter come back up to 105 uh, instead of the 120. Uh, so we lost about, well, uh, 35,000, I guess, uh, in in the, this week's slaughter to what we should have gotten. Uh, I'm hopeful that we'll make up a bit of that tomorrow with a Saturday increase, Saturday kill. Uh, but it does add a little bit to a problem that we've already had, uh, Susan, and that is it feels like we, are, we aren't really selling as many cattle as we need to, um, at least not as what you would expect with high-priced feed, where you would expect you'd see extra selling, you would expect to see... Uh, weights come off. Uh, now this week the weights did on week on week come down six pounds. Um, but I, you know, for a numbers nerd like me, and I'd rather be optimistic as you know, uh, but it looks to me like we've certainly backed up some cattle the last six to eight weeks, Susan. So we normally don't talk about hogs during the cattle call, but why did the hogs not react to JBS? Like you said before we started this, they kill hogs as well. Correct. Five plants, 80,000, 90,000 hogs a day. Uh, big deal. Uh, close to 18 to 20 percent of the overall uh, U.S. slaughter uh, daily. So, I, you asked a great question. I wish I had an equally great answer. Um, you know, I thought it was real telling. We sat here and I said, "Well, clearly it doesn't matter to the hogs. Uh, there's something a little more powerful going on in the hog market. You know, there is there is some um, speculative trading that goes on between those two contracts where you see cattle hog spreads uh, and vice versa. You know, all of that's possible. But I really think you know is, is best answer I can give you is that there's a number of this, these cash contract uh, or, or hog uh, formula contracts where the cash is tied to at least in part to the pork product value. So as slaughter goes down, box beef goes up, pork product goes up uh, and, and so that I think helped support more than anything else you know the, <clears throat> the, the cash uh, hog thing and, uh, and support the futures as well. So as we look at this cash market the limp that we saw this week, what is, what's behind it? Is it because we're coming off a holiday? 
Are we just not seeing the demand that's out there? Why? Why such lower numbers? Well, it's not the demand. Uh, demand is is uh, pick your favorite superlative. It's outstanding. Um, it one twenty four. I should keep track. What is this fifth or sixth week in a row? Um, you know, we've come to call them different things: uh, sympathy bid, um, token bids, guilt bids. You, you call them what you will. Uh, all of the, the majors are, are participating. Um, I personally sold cattle for 120 to two different majors um, on a very limited basis. Uh, mind you, one of them, there was a pen of 147 cattle and they said they could bid $1.20 but only on 120 head. Seriously? I mean, you know. Um, so what, what's happening is these packers go out and they give all their buyers just this little small little order, you know, trying to kind of keep everybody a little bit appeased. Um, uh, you know, the Packers just got so much leverage right now, Susan, that we are, that our negotiating power is absolutely zero. You know, I'm, honestly, these Packers could buy cattle for ten if that's what they felt like. Or they could pay $1.35 like they are in Canada if they felt like it, right? I mean, they're making $1,200, $1,400 a head. Um, so the frustration continues. I don't see anything changing, frankly. I think if I had a guest cash next week, it'd be 120 again on a limited basis. Um, the South is not very current. Texas and Kansas have a lot of cattle. Uh, thankfully, we're kind of in between crops yet. You know, the calves aren't, they're just about there, but you know, not in big quantity. What scares me a little bit is that we know they're right around the corner. As you move toward June and into July, you know that the supply of cattle in the North picks up. There's been so much talk about dryness um, in, in the Montana, part of the Dakotas. Having said that, when do you think we might start seeing the influx of, of some of these cattle coming to market, and older cattle at that, just because there's not the feed stuff there? I was surely hoping we wouldn't have to go through another one of these liquidation phases, but it's the, 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 the timing is now. Um, uh, in fact, uh, talking to friends of mine in North Dakota, uh, you're starting to see the cow-calf pairs, uh, which is, that's your last resort, right? When you start to sell the pairs, um, you know, the first thing would be to, to, to probably dump the oldest of your cows and then give up on your replacement heifers, the idea that you had. But, I mean, when you start selling out your factory or cow-calf pair, um, the west, west river, uh, the west of the Missouri River in North Dakota is desperately dry, um, as well as the northern half of South Dakota in that same area and then that whole eastern rim of, of Montana. Um, now there's, there's some areas that have picked up some moisture, fortunately for them, but. That's part of my conversation with Brad Coima. Brad, again, is Coima and Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. More's coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Brad Coima. He's with Coima, Coima and Varlick out of Sioux Center, Iowa. So let's switch gears a little bit, Brad. We're going to talk about what's been happening in the grain side of it. First of all, you talked about a blend of technicals. What are we seeing as we wrap up the week? Well, I thought it was kind of an interesting week um, in that um, you had both the corn and the soybean chart uh, put together a potentially topping uh, technical formation. Uh, I think uh, anybody that probably looked at a uh, chart book before and recognized that the new crop corn, December corn, had a potential head and shoulders formation starting to develop. And, and that a really uh, obvious one in the old crop soybeans as well. Um, you know, one thing that I would caution everyone uh, to remember is that just because you have a head and shoulder formation with that neck shoulder getting formed, 
the real technical signal isn't you don't sell it till you break out of the neckline which is below there which we never got down to but <clears throat> so as we went through the week um, spreads a little softer which was a little wonky um, you know usually the old crop leads the new um, but as we finished the week out with a little more inflammatory weather forecast uh, we, we kind of erased all those dirty lines that we had that made it look like a top right mm -hmm. uh, and uh, particularly in the corn uh, go home with pretty salty clothes today and and really in the old crop beans too um, so weather I don't know. I mean, there's people that look forward to a weather market. I'm not one of them at all. Um, so tonight we're going to go home with the idea that the 10 to 14 day forecast is suggesting a ridge to develop in the northern plains. Um, when that happens, the rain goes around it, right? And it's supposed to be in the 90s. And, um, you know, if that persists, you're starting to talk about uh, timing all the way into the first part of July, which is always a critical time, yada, yada. And, and uh, you know, I'm not making it insignificant. It's just that I'm frustrated that there's no one that really does truly know. Um, so you could come in here Sunday evening and have a work forecast that, oh, hey, you let the jet stream move, whatever, and all of a sudden it's different and the market comes tumbling down. Uh, in, in 2013, you know, you went uh, to the 4th of July weekend, watched the fireworks, came back, and then proceeded to watch the market go down $2 a bushel of corn. You know, so... Um, Guys, there are our options. I get it. You know, they're high priced, whatever. But you know, you got a you got a marketing opportunity that you haven't had for five years. Um, you know, you know, call your broker, find a creative way to get a little bit of stuff done. Do I think we're going higher? Yeah, I do. But I don't know what the weather is going to be. But yeah, I think going home tonight, the way the weather sounds, I probably will be higher. But um, I can't stress enough how if you don't sell the market on the way up, I would almost guarantee you won't get it sold on the way down. How much of an influence then, I know that this was this first week that we saw the actual crop condition ratings from the USDA, and because we've got this weather-related market, the replants in the eastern corn belt, even in the Dakotas and Minnesota, the dryness that we talked about out in the western part, how much of that is going to feed into what we see on the CME, or is it already been taken for granted and it's going to happen? Well, throw in frost damage too, right? I mean, yeah. you know, um, I think that most traders realize that at this stage of the game, uh, it's probably premature to get too and in, in, you know uh, involved with what that crop rating was. I, I couldn't. The irony was not lost on me that I believe we were seventy-six percent good to excellent on the corn. Uh, there's been three years that only three years recently that's been better than that. Um, ironically, two thousand twelve. People remember that year, right? That's the year we went to eight and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, the good to excellent crop ratings, the first of June, were. 77 actually one better than this year so I think when people noticed that they thought like well we better not get too crazy here because it's really not the weather you know when the corns this big and I'm a farmer it doesn't take that much moisture but it's when it's as high as your head that's when things are critical and they get critical quickly so could we see that run at the old highs for corn <clears throat> yes uh, if I was going to bet you a steak notice nobody bets a pork chop uh, yeah um, I would say that that's what we'll do, uh, but um, of course, dependent upon the weather. And and to me, the old crop would probably stand the best chance of doing it first. Um, we didn't make any more old crop corn. Things are still snug, um, so we'll see how that transpires. I'm anxious to see if the spreads don't firm up a little bit next week, where July leads the way. They didn't do a great job of that this week. What about soybeans? 
still to me the old crop story on the fundamentals is actually better or more bullish more tight uh, than it is on the corn um, you, you've got a little bit of a dynamic with the soybean oil in there of course but um, I uh, if you had to say do I think that the old crop beans have a chance to be in the mid 16s I would say that would be my objective as well um, you'll probably see a bit of a delay here in the reaction to the soybeans if indeed we're still talking about the weather the weather is a lot more significant for soybeans in July and August than it is uh, right now so um, I gotta feel like the market's got a quite a bit up momentum though going home here this weekend and as long as the weather doesn't change anything we we should have an enjoyable time next week if we talk again about what this looks like all right sounds good best way for folks to get a hold of you Brad sure can call us it's 800-358 that's the Fontenelle final bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers here on the Rural Radio Network.